Welcome back, everybody, to Catapult Your Business, where we help answer one question for entrepreneurs every week to catapult businesses to the next level. I've got an awesome client of ours here for the last couple of years working with the talented Colin Bowman on our team. I'll tell you more about who our client is here in a moment. He's doing some pretty cool things in the market to support entrepreneurs, but he brought a really interesting question to the table today. He's essentially coming to me and saying, Casey, I'm trying to figure out what speed of growth to take in my business while managing the quality outputs because business is coming to us and my fear of ramping up marketing could actually break the business. So how fast do I scale? What does that look like? Should I be pushing marketing or should I be pulling in people into the organization? We're going to really unpack this today and dive in. But before we do, I've got to introduce you to Justin Knowles. Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. We're glad to have you. Founder and principal here of Fracture Product Development. I'll come to you here in a moment just to speak to what you're doing today for entrepreneurs, but congrats so far on your business. I think you told me this is your 12th business. Is that right? Yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. That's a great thing. uh, That's a great thing. (laughs) Well, you and I were catching up before, right? Like so many times these serial entrepreneurs, including yourself, you start these businesses. I've definitely had a few failures. I think that's part of the, the entrepreneurial journey for most. And my assumption is you're running the business so much better. And my gut says because of the amount of businesses you've started and the products you've looked at, that's really actually helped you with this business and how you shape. And I'm sure that kind of comes through even sometimes in the consulting that you all do. Why don't you tell everybody listening in what's going on over at your firm right now? What are you guys up to? What are you working on? How do you help entrepreneurs? Yeah, we engage with uh, entrepreneurs that are typically at the angel or seed stage trying to materialize their vision into some sort of product or service. And so we act sort of as the the brains. We augment their team or we do all the work ourselves to facilitate that and create physical products and bring them into the marketplace for them. Fantastic. Well, there's definitely a need for that. And it's and, and I understand why quality is so important in your neck of the woods, right? Because at the end of the day, the way you do that could make or break the business is the reality. A lot of pressure there. Well, you've had a great run here. You're, you started in 2017. So congrats on your five-year anniversary on this business. And again, I know I speak for Colin, who is your advisor. We're really appreciative you let us come along for the ride with you over the last two years. And congrats on your success. Get into the seven-figure kind of space now. And I know you're, you're working on continuing to scale that and working on all kinds of really cool stuff. So um, just kudos to you and your team. Well-deserved and excited to see what you all go out and do. Let's slow down and get into this detail here of how fast should we be going Tell me a little bit more about the genesis of this question. Like, what are you experiencing right now that's made you bring this to the front and center today? Yeah. So as a business, we haven't gotten to the point or needed to really do much in the way of marketing. All of our clients essentially have been organic, either by referral or just finding us on the web, you know, location search or something like that, but no active outreach. And so we've, you know, sort of been just doing the work that comes to us. And the main question or what we always run into is, okay, well, if we want to do certain kinds of work, maybe that we feel we're best suited, we need to be more proactive in outreach and marketing and finding the startups or entrepreneurs that are doing things in areas that we're interested in working in. But there's always that balance point of we don't have capacity, so I don't want to go out and try to find work. And also trying to grow the business as best as possible. So not too quick, for example. Well, you're asking a really interesting question. My assumption is that you have a desire to scale this organization to a pretty large size. You know, if it be eight figure, nine figure, you know, my assumption is that you have an interest in that. Is that true to grow this quite a bit? 
Yeah, I think growth is always uh, either growing or dying. So you have to <laughs> yeah. continue growing well said. Uh, to some degree. Yeah. You know, as you know, from selling businesses in the past, there's an enterprise value associated with every business that gets placed that you have to ultimately make a decision of when does it make sense to jump off. And even if you don't have a desire to sell and you see this doing the rest of your life, you've got to build it to sell. And that's just a fundamental way to, to be able to grow and scale an organization in a healthy, sustainable way. And so the first thing that I was really thinking about when you brought this question up, and then we'll get more into the micros and the marketing specifically, I think you've got to actually ask a different question here, which is, when do you have to start to engage in outbound? Because otherwise, you don't have a control lever over the business, right? I mean, right now, if inbound turns off on you, if something happens where you're showing up on Google shifts, other players come in the market, and that organic slows down, or for some reason the referrals drop off, I doubt that will happen. But, you know, as you go through that, future buyers of this company or that are going to place a value are going to look and go, how much can you control this sales engine of the business? I wonder if that's been thrown into this discussion yet of how you're thinking about what decisions you make over the next, you know, short timeline period here. Just curious, any thoughts you have on that? Yeah, definitely. That's, that's certainly one of the reasonings behind trying to explore this and you know, with Colin, especially as we try to figure out what is the long-term plan for the business, you know, why are we building it? And yeah, having a mechanism or a system in place where we can, you know, almost like a lever, like you mentioned, where we can, you know, bring in more clients or, or slow it down and, and knowing how to control that lever is is key. We, we don't have a lever at, at this point. We just take what comes. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> I mean, you must be doing a good job if you're living off referrals and organic. I think a lot of business owners listening in today are like, wish that was my problem right now, <laughs> right? I think, I think it's a good place to be because you've also seen some good scale in just a short five-year period of time. But I think the piece that, that I want to harp on just a little further before I move to the actual strategy itself, when I think about businesses and when I look at the landscape of the companies that we work with and when I see the scalability, one of the things that I commonly see is that referrals should always be your number one tactic. Doesn't mean it's your largest tactic because there's a lot of variables that go into that, but it should be your number one, meaning your most focused tactic. And so the first thing I would encourage you to think about is that take this referral process and you could already be doing this. So if this, if this is just validation, then great. But I would make sure I have a more formalized outbound referral program that you're driving with your client base. And so that way you start to at least get trackable outbound levers on that. And you start to have more tracking versus it just came in. Oh, we got a referral. Start to actually study and measure the speed of referral, when it comes from clients, how does it hit, who's referring you in. And I would stay more focused in that space before I went to a new space where there's going to be a learning curve, because I think it could change the persona of who, what your client base is is actually a piece that I want you to understand. I think there's not just, and I'm sure you thought through that too, like this growth isn't just, you know, taking on more. It's also different type of clientele that might come in when switching to new outbound strategies versus more of the pulled mentality. And I'm sure you've thought of that as well, but I think that's an important factor for everybody listening in to realize that makes this problem a little bit more complex. And then Asia, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that before I keep going, but yeah, no, I think that's something that Colin and I have, have worked on a little bit. I think there's always room for growth and improvement in that. Always and, uh, yeah, there, there's ways to scaling that. Let's back this up and let's just put it in a box for a moment. 
right now you have a, a number of leads that are coming in on referral and organic. And the real question is, is not if, I think it has to be when do you invest on an outbound approach? I think that's the key. I also think we have to then break that down further to go, what is sales versus what is marketing? I'm curious to know, like, is there a sales team in place at the firm right now? No, the sales process is sort of owned by me, kind of that CTO or CEO led sales approach, just because the quantity of clients we need to sustain growth is not a high quantity. But yeah, at some point we'll be, we need to build out a proper sales team, so to speak. Are you getting the advice you need for your business from this episode? Do you want to get more than just one question answered and have it customized to you and your business? Well, Cultivate Advisors works one-on-one with thousands of business owners every day. Let them help you scale your business today. Don't just listen to this episode. Take action and go to CultivateAdvisors.com to see which advisor you get matched with and receive a free two-hour business assessment on how you could scale your business to the next level. Act now at cultivatedvisors.com. So personally, in terms of just past blueprints we've seen and in terms of how businesses have scaled, I would actually invest more of my time on the sales side over the marketing side based on what I'm going to assume per your comment, your average you know, amount of revenue you're generating on average per client and the, the tailwinds that happen with those clients. Based on those assumptions, I would actually go after this sales space first with a little bit of push more than I would go after the marketing, because I think by going after sales, you remove one of the barriers, which is the changing cl- client persona. I think you're going to be able to manage that better. And you're going to learn a lot about the scalability of more leads coming in, but you actually have help to service it. I actually find a lot of owners don't separate sales and operations. They assume when something is sold, it must be produced when there's actually a lot of prestige in your space of how long is the queue before before the project starts. You're always going to be able to manage the queue on the operational side. Now, eventually it'll get so long, you'll have to make a decision. Are you building a firm that has a long queue and people wait for you? Or do you have to be there to capture when the moment hits from funding and whatnot, which is my assumption some of that exists in your space, in which you'll have to solve that queue. But you can reactively solve a queue while clients are waiting you cannot reactively solve the speed of a sales process when the lead comes in. And so for me, the building blocks, like the order of operations, because really your question to me is a lot more about prioritization than if you should do it. I think you know deep down you have to do this at some point. It's just what do you prioritize and when? The way I view the business from limited information I have thus far is I would always generally go after building my sales channel before building my marketing channel out because you have such a good referral and organic structure and have that sales rep dual. Don't do the in-house out, you know, outside sales track, put them on all of it, have them start to shadow you, have them start to take away that engine speed. So you have more space to work on the marketing components or the operational capacities in the future because you need to spend more of your time there as the owner. And then in addition, doesn't mean, by the way, you're not involved in the sales process of being the, you know, the intellectual property and the value proposition of, of consultative approach. It just means that you don't have to quarterback any of the process is what I mean by that. And then on the other side of the sales leverage, what I would really slow down and take a look at, and we can dig in a little bit further, is what type of tactics could the reps be doing 
you know, and you could be hiring one or two of these, by the way, in terms of your investment back to the company, not because like getting a big sales team, because we want to test it, learn it before you scale it. My gut says you can have these reps go after referral type tactics to keep your persona in check. And now you start to have a lever around outbound, but you're going to be able to control that lever because you can go make partnerships with folks that know of, you know, folks doing angel funding. You can start to make partnerships, you know, with folks that are going to be able to bring back the business to you. And now you have somebody dedicated to manage that relationship and you can track data on that and start to show what your outbound funnel is before you bring in what I consider more of the wild, wild west, which is a lot more of the online marketing approach and the world that's really fun to push buttons and see explosions if done right. But boy, is it painful on the operational side and it can really screw up quality controls if if it's not done right. And you need the infrastructure, like I'm saying, on the sales side to support that when it does start to happen. So why not build there first? Because you know you'll need it. Curious what's going off in your head, what you've already thought of, or what's maybe a little new. Yeah, I think the idea of building out sales, you know, team to handle more the referral side, that's somewhat new to me, at least in terms of ideas. Colin, I've talked about there needs to be some sort of support person to support me. And we haven't determined if they're in marketing, there is, you know, sales, are they like an SDR? Like what kind of like person will assist me? Yeah. But that's another approach that I haven't quite I guess grasp or thought about, I think that could be very useful just because it is like part of what we're selling is more or less my vision and how I work with our clients and help them develop what they need to develop. And, but then again, I'm stuck in the weeds, you know, sort of, I'm definitely a a bottleneck when it comes to proposals and the sales process and I'm trying to, to spread that amongst, you know, the operational members of my team. But I think having another person to, to quarterback, that might be um, a great idea to sort of help move it along and and get those turned around, but also bring in uh, more quality uh, referrals. What you just said at the end is the most important part of that entire structure. The other parts is more of a time productivity question and where as the owner, you should be spending time. We can unpack that in a whole other conversation at some point. But I think that the last piece of what you just said was the answer to your question. When you walk me through what was going on in the business, the number one thing that I was, I just could not get out of my head was the fact that your persona is going to change. And it's, it's you'll still find some personas, but you won't be established and have the systems in place to weed out those personas, to know how to approach the personas. And that is why the quality will fall, right? You're never going to leave as the influencer or the, the knowledge base of the organization. I mean, that's just the nature of the business that you've created and the skill set that you hold. And you're obviously good at it, or you wouldn't be getting the <laughs> referral generation you are. So, you know, bulk up that confidence and push yourself to go, I need to bring in this salesperson and and the structural, you know, what type of salesperson is very interesting. I personally think you want the person who is skilled enough to quarterback the relationship with your end user. They are great at relationship building. They get, they're very detail oriented. They're going to be able to manage the process and they're going to be your liaison to bring you in after they've already qualified the opportunity. And they're pulling you in and, and taking notes, driving the system, delivering the proposal, communicating with the operations team, helping you know onboard the client even and hand it off. I actually think you can have a person that's managing from start to finish that process with your team of implementers to, to where what it allows you to do is then to go shift that energy 
to work with that salesperson to go, let's get you talking to channel partners. Let's get you talking to folks that can be the gift that keeps on giving. And that's the salesperson's job is to tee those conversations, to go find them and bring you into the mix. And I think that that's the first step. I mean, I could go 10 more steps of different tactics I would go after, but I think that step alone will 10X your business if done right. Why worry, why go test in the open ether of digital marketing and risk the persona shift? Why? Like, why? Like, and I, I know you feel this because your question is like, I'm going to lose the quality. And so my answer to your whole pull versus push, pull, pull them in, pull them in. Why would you go against what's working? Just figure out how to ramp up what's working in more of a scalable environment that is more controllable so you maximize enterprise value. There's a lot of people that would love to buy a business in the future that would go, we don't mess with digital marketing. We are just really in tune with the relationships that matter. And we are the, you know, the voice, the legitimate company out there that is solving this for entrepreneurs in this space. I'm sure you've thought a lot of this and I'm just cutting it out for you and putting it in a box, but I personally wouldn't look anywhere else yet. Once that's maximized, then you're going to hand that off and you're going to go to the next chapter. And the decision should be what's the most controllable sales or marketing outreach you can go to next. And that's, again, a lot of owners struggle with that. I, you know, I'm sure you can relate to this, Justin. There is so much noise for small business owners than ever before around marketing and sales tactics. It is nuts. <laughs> My business used to be ran, you know, before the big ad days online where it was just like, you know, faxing in payrolls and overnighting payroll checks. And, you know, I still remember just like hanging door hangers. And like, that was a thing, <laughs> you know, it, it still happens, but it's just, you have a thousand ways to go. And so just, you know, do what I'm sure you're telling your clients, cut the noise out, focus on the best that product can be. You do the same. Focus on the most simple tactic that does not involve you and is not at the mercy of other vendors where you have more control. And I think that's how I would start this endeavor. And my gut says you're going to see a massive lift in growth over time. What's really standing out for you? And you're like, that's what I needed. And then is there any other still questions that are even deeper? You're going, but how would you approach this? Or what would be your thoughts around this? Happy to give you more insight if I can. Yeah, I think, you know, I guess, how would you like taking that to the tactics side of things in terms of you talked about shadowing me, you know, developing that person, how would you motivate or develop, a, you know, somebody in that if you're in my shoes, I guess, and you're going to go out there and find somebody that met those sort of, you know, detail oriented relationship builder, etc. How would you take that to the next level to develop them? Thanks for tuning in to Catapult Your Business, where Cultivated Advisors is helping you catapult your business one question at a time. Are you running your business or is your business running you? At Cultivated Advisors, they'll match you with an expert advisor and do a free two-hour deep dive for your business. This will give you the clarity you need on how to get your business to the next level. Cultivate has worked with thousands of businesses. What do you have to lose? So head over to CultivateAdvisors.com and sign up for your free two-hour session. Truthfully, based on the time allocation you probably have, I wouldn't hire a junior. I would hire somebody who's already done this. I think that often owners, we come up with a dollar amount that we want to invest, and then we try to make it fit within that 
investment. I'm sure that resonates with you on the back end of product development that frustrates you sometimes with clients. I think that people do that too much, actually, in the earlier stages of business growth. And instead, you have to look at the market and go, what does this person cost? So I would be searching Glassdoor and digging into the partnership, you know, people in this space that already work for competitors or, or work in a similar vertical that are already already have the Rolodex for these partnerships, have already ran sales processes for this type of service line in some account. And truly, I think even if the cost was double, by the time you ran the output, it would be a smarter financial decision. And, you know, within 12 months. Now, that doesn't mean you're not developing. So I can talk a little bit about the handoff, if that would be helpful, because I think that's where the shadowing and, and that piece. But I, just in terms of developing, you can't be great at everything in your business. You've built a business around you being great around your intellectual property and how you approach these owners to help support them with their product outputs. I would stay there. Hire people that are more skilled than you on these other areas that'll tell you how the best it can work. And don't surround yourself with people that you have to develop. In terms of develop them around your vision, around how we approach the business, you know, the quality standards, of course, right? You're the keeper of culture right now still until you get more of an executive team in place. But in the interim, in this current moment, you're going to be the best by actually bringing people that already know how to do this. That's just my true thoughts on that. As far as the handoff, I mean, I think that's a really, it's a challenging thing. This is your baby. This is, you've built this on your knowledge and you don't need to pass that off. You just need to structure the sales process in a way that you're only involved probably in the final step of it. Meaning anything that, any question you would ask, you should already know that information before they get to you. Right. I would go back and work through and formalize the system to where you think of all the discovery you want to know and you train the person on the discovery side, not the implementation aspects. That way they can pull the information, make sure you hire somebody who's curious. You should be able to hand that step of the process off within two or three weeks max of the role. Then they're just quarterbacking, taking notes and helping summarize things for you while you're running your consultative approach to pull in what's needed. And then they're helping more turn into a project manager after that to help make sure whoever's going to deliver the scope, whoever's going to you know, do all those different elements, it's happening. And if that's you, that's where I would bring in more administrative staff to help support me in that versus your high paid salesperson who's going to help drive more revenue into the business. So now you really only have to hand off the discovery side and everything else should actually come through, still through you. There's just administrative and automated functions you put into the process. For now, eventually you won't be able to be on every single meeting, right? And you'll have to hire people at your same skill level or even beyond. But for now, that's where I would stick as you try to navigate, you know, this next, you know, double or tripling of the company. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great advice. Appreciate it. Cool. Well, Justin, I hope this was helpful. sounds like you got a couple grabs that you're going to be able to take back to the business. And again, I know I speak for Colin, just in terms of what you and your team are doing and the output you have, just congratulations to you and your team again on the success. And, you know, most people don't know that the, the percentage of folks that even pass that seven-figure number is very, very small. Um, and you've, you've made that a reality now. And now it's about navigating the maturity of the business to the eight-figure mark and beyond. So for everybody else listening in, you know, every situation is a little different, right? But 
if you're being faced with the same question of how fast do I grow? How do I approach my marketing sales leverage while I'm trying to figure out how to maneuver operationally to fulfill that or to create the quality outputs that I desire? Slow down. And instead of trying to bite off the strategy, classic saying, eat the elephant one bite at a time, just pick the most controllable tactic and start there. Otherwise, you'll just swim around in procrastination and paralyze yourself, not knowing where to turn next. It's too big of a problem to solve and your mind's going to change 10 more times over the next five to 10 years as you continue to scale the business. So go all in on one new tactic to start to learn how to control the growth of the company. All right, that's it for Catapult Your Business today. Thanks for joining us as we help elevate your business to the next level. And again, a special thanks to our guest and valued client over the last few years. Justin, thanks again for joining us. If people want to learn a little bit more about your product or your service, sorry, and what you can provide for entrepreneurs in this space, where can they find you at? We're on the web at facture.design. That's F-A-C-T-U-R-E.design. Go check it out. If you've got a business that might make sense to talk to Justin, we absolutely will call them out and vet them for you in terms of the work we've been able to do. So give them a quick look. Uh, Justin, thanks again. And everybody take care, continue your journey on the entrepreneurial journey, and we'll see you next time. (music) 